1: Good evening, folks. Glad you could join us for the Big Red Bench on this Sunday evening. Really glad you could join us right here with you until 7 o'clock. We have a packed show coming your way between now and 7pm. Over the next hour, we're going to be talking to Moss Finn about Ireland's narrow win over Scotland and how that sets them out going to face England next week at the Aviva Stadium. going to talk to Cork City Chairman Declan Carey about preparations for the upcoming season. We have the second part for an interview with Phil Healy. She looks ahead to the Olympics We're talking to Cork Piero uh, Joseph Blake later on as well About the Rebels Bounty Which has been a huge success uh, For all the clubs so far And we're talking MMA as well With Corkman Darren Gorman, Who returns to action With Cage Warriors next week You're listening to The Big Red Bench Right here on Cork's Red FM really busy show coming your way between now and 7pm. If you'd like to get in touch, tweet us at Big Red Bench. You can text us as well, 0868104106 and on WhatsApp. Alright, going to kick off the show uh, with Ireland's win over Scotland. Going to hear from Moss Finn in just a second. The first uh, full-time report from Stuart Cameron
2: tight but Ireland have got over the line Scotland 24, Ireland 27 is how it ended at Murrayfield Ireland deserving their half time lead of 14-10 with Sexton's three penalty goals adding to Henshaw's try with Scotland's points all coming from Finn Russell courtesy of a try conversion and a penalty Ireland came out of the blocks flying in the second half, ten unanswered points thanks to a tie burn converted try and a Sexton penalty but converted tries from Hugh Jones and Hamish Watson made. it 24 apiece with three minutes to go sexton came up kicked his uh, fifth penalty and he won it for ireland A, a real pressure kick from the irish captain scotland set piece let them down today the high penalty count as well even though they won the try count three two they've lost the match and ireland have sneaked it scotland 24
1: ireland 27 Alright, for more on Ireland's narrow win over Scotland and joined by our good friend Moss Finn. Uh, Moss, they got away with that one, as my uh, my late grandfather Owen would say. They were haunted.
2: We were. We were haunted, absolutely. It was a, an extraordinary game. A game in parts where Ireland played extremely well and in parts where Ireland played extremely badly. All in all, a great result, obviously, but um, there were some great points and some and some very negative points, but... As you say, we got away with it, but and, and at this level, a win is a win.
1: Certainly is. Where would we be without Johnny Sex? And that was an incredible kick under pressure.
2: He stood up, in fairness to him. He's a fantastic bit of stuff. He's coming to the toilet of his career, and they even remarked afterwards in the interviews that the, the interviewer was mentioning his grey hair on the sides of his head. like. <laughs> He's a, he's a world-class player and always has been. You know, he had a few rough years there in France and that's with the head injuries and all those kind of things. But, you know, when to oh man, he stood up and even he admitted he afterwards he didn't strike it as well as he wanted to, but it went over and he said the kicking was quite difficult there with the swirling wind, but he, 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 he nailed it. He, he's a top-class player.
1: Ireland went 24-10 up and you're thinking that's game over but they just reverted into themselves, allowed Scotland in and almost collapsed. What happened?
2: It's 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 strange situation. Twenty four ten. We're coasting and next extra leave Scotland into the game. Um, I think the the biggest like if we were beaten today, I'd be asking major questions about my cat. The offensive coach, yeah. in, in in the backline. Our backline has been very has been very poor with ball in hand. There seems to be um, a, a sort of the first thought of some of the backs is to actually kick the ball, whereas it should be to run with the quality of possession we were getting and our attacking flair was not in evidence. The tries we got were kind of scrambled over as I like tried burning that and a bit of luck there with the first one but um, offensively I think we have been poor. We got enough possession We won the line-outs, we won the breakdown, our scrum was okay, we had plenty of possession on the forward foot, but our offensive running, our broken field running, our open field running was poor, and I would certainly be asking questions about that, because there is no doubt at 24-10 we should have put that game to bed.
1: Certainly so, and even the likes of James Lowe, who's brought into this team with a lot of hype in him about his attacking prowess, doesn't seem to get an awful lot of chances to attack.
2: No, and again, it's whatever sort of... um, the, the the overall team of that entire backline and Gary Ringrose in particular as well as James Law their first uh, idea is to kick and not head for open space so I, I, I don't know what that is and I mean like if when Law doesn't run with the ball and, he, and doesn't do that well then you definitely won't be picking him the next day because there's definitely major reservations about his ability to defend at that level
1: yeah um uh, as well Jameson Gibson Park last the entire eighty minutes today were you surprised like you got Conor Murray on the bench why not bring him on if he's on the bench
2: well going back to our first point there we were saying what happened at 24-10 when we didn't shut it out I think if we brought on Conor Murray and he was standing at 9 with Sexton that he would have shut the match out mm. and put us into positions in the field where Scotland wouldn't be able to attack from Gibson Park is a kind of a, he's an effervescent type, has come out, keeps the game, the game going fast and all that, but Murray has a better head. He's the same sort of rugby acumen that Sexton has, and he could have come in there and put that game to bed. I thought that was a, a, a poor decision from, from from the line not to bring him in, particularly when they were bringing in loads of other fellas. I mean, Murray, to my mind, is a good player a Sexton is for Ireland, and... To leave a man like Gibson Park there, which is fine, he's good in his own way right? but I wouldn't have left him there for the ninety, I'd take taken for the eighty, I'd be him off after fifty five that way.
1: Um, some positives though, I mean, like the likes of Ty Byrne and Robbie Henshaw were immense today, a lot of talk that they could be starting for the Lions this summer.
2: Yeah, Ty, Ty Burn is like he's, he's the only man at the match every day. Yeah. Um, he, he, incredible bit of stuff, you know, and like, Farrell wasn't going to pick him at the start, you know. Mm-hmm. but and Henshaw was Henshaw was awesome. Like and if you want a guy to stand up in the middle of the field um, like he, he's the man to do it, but you know, with Ringrose and you know Keith Earls playing well in that, I, it, it's difficult to see why the backline isn't functioning. It must come down to a to a, a coaching issue because the, the, the ability is there. Like we have the strong man in Henshaw, we have the foil in Ringrose, we have the dancing feet of, of Earls, but we're not setting them off properly. It's, it seems to be a mindset.
1: Yeah, it certainly does. And what would you expect now against England next weekend, Moss?
2: I'm looking forward to that immensely, yeah. I mean, if we were beaten today, it would be an absolute disaster, so because we won today we're kind of up to second in the table just by you know the other teams haven't played all the matches but um i would be looking really looking forward to England because yesterday England and France was probably one of the better games yeah. of rugby I've seen in ten years it it restored my faith in in rugby union again it was, it was one of those games but if you if you saw today's game then it was like as if you were watching a completely different game, you know, but like England could have been beaten by France. France played some wonderful rugby. They'll come to Lansdowne Road now with an entirely different mindset. England were desperate to beat France yesterday because they had to. Like, we had to beat Scotland. We were desperate. Now we're in a situation where England and Ireland are playing, and I wonder who is the most desperate and who wants it more. But it'll come down to that. England are good, possibly on paper better than us, but they're the old enemy, and I wouldn't... I'd never go against an Ireland victory in own Road against England.
1: All the ingredients have been a cracker next Saturday night as yeah. well. Um just finally, Moss, um Simon Zebos is leaving Racing ninety two at the end of the season. Should the IRFU um bring him home and where would he fit in this Irish team?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean you saw the way he played in the in the Heineken Cup final last year. He got two fantastic tries. The second one in particular, I mean he's he's lost none of his zip, he's lost none of his flair, he's lost do you know, you see him on social media there. He's lost none of his personality, <laughs> you know. But um, I would have absolutely no doubt that he should be back in Ireland's plans. Absolutely no doubt. And I would also say that he should have been in Ireland's plans for the last four or five years. Right. Josh, Josh Smith did many good things, but in the end, some of his decision-making was quite poor in that Zeebo should have gone to the World Cup. Donnick Ryan, who was Ireland's enforcer at that time playing for wrestling, should have gone to the World Cup. I would have no doubt Zeebo should play for our Munster and our next year and they would really really look forward to that
1: Fingers crossed that happens Moss it's always a pleasure thanks for talking to us this evening
2: You're welcome Roy.
1: Always a pleasure talking to Moss Fane always honest always uh... Uh, calling it exactly as. East season. Always oh, great to talk uh, to the former Ireland and Munster man and now it's on England in the Aviva Stadium next Saturday evening. Should be an absolute cracker. Spurs 2-1 up uh, on Tottenham at the moment. Um, Eric Lamella had scored an absolute cracker. Absolute cracker for Spurs. Um, a Rabona goal. It was just, it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Put them a goal up. But Arsenal have rallied back and they're now leading by two goals to one. Uh, Alexander Lacazette putting the gunners ahead with a penalty. Uh, 82 minutes uh, on the clock. There we are going to talk football and Cork City busy preparing for the start of the new SSC Electricity League First Division as Cork City take on local rivals co Ramblers at Turners Cross on March 26. So look ahead to the season. I've been speaking to City Chairman Declan Carey about preparing for a season in a pandemic. The help Grove Moore provided the financial situation of the club and more.
3: Yeah, I, I hate to use the, the old cliche, Rory, but it's yeah, it's been somewhat of the new normal, so to speak, from a footballing perspective, we got a a harsh taste of reality from this um, last summer when, you know, the pandemic hit and then we had to come back and games were behind closed doors and we were, you know, panicking a bit and rushing around to get different things organised to host the matches and working with the FEI on what the different protocols would be. But, you know, given the the success now of the recent pre-season friendlies and also the experiences that we'll be able to lean on from last season you know we're we're well set up here and look everyone from the coaches and the players who you know the majority of which make up the the squad from last season as well you know they're all um you know well well aware of what's ahead and and what the expectations are what the match night atmosphere is going to be like so you know that's all building into the preparations for them but from our perspective you know we've um we've learned a lot as well from a budgeting perspective of how to plan for the season ahead and make sure that you know regardless of whether you know hopefully fans can come back into the stadium this season whether that's in the latter half of the year or towards the end of the season we just don't know but you know we will plan for you know all eventualities here and um, you know if that happens it'll be a fantastic boost for everyone around the club but if it doesn't you know we're we're well prepared for this season to have no fans in, inside the gates, but look, fingers crossed with with the positive news on vaccines and um, and you know maybe the possibility of uh, reduced attendances will will hopefully be able to claw some of that back this season.
1: Now the Grove More takeover hasn't happened obviously yet, but the the work they've been doing in helping the club to get to this point of the season has been invaluable.
3: Yeah, look. Um, t- t- to be honest, the, the financial contribution that they made was 12 months ago hasn't really changed since then. Um, but you know, the the members did ratify the the, the call option agreement and um, and uh, approve Grovemore to come in and take over. That hasn't happened officially yet. Um, look, takeovers, Rory, with all football clubs around the world, they can take many months, sometimes a year, maybe more. Or so. Look, Moore have given us assurances that, um, you know, they will not hold this agreement um, in perpetuity, I suppose, and, uh, and, and you know, keep it hanging over us. And they want to take over Cork City Football Club. That's an absolute given. Um, they've been honest and forthcoming with all of our negotiations with them to date. You know, they've never um, over-promised or underpromised anything to us um, and, uh, you know, our, our dealings with them have been super professional and that's the way they will remain and um, you know we sent an update to our shareholders yesterday on this and you know confirmed to our shareholders that look this this will be resolved one way or another within say you know the next 10-11 months and um, uh, before the next licensing period finishes you know for, for the 2022 season but look Forrest is in charge at the moment the board that we have in place is in charge we we make all the the decisions associated with the club and and we're managing the, the staff and the the structure of the football club for the for the foreseeable and that's the way things will run and and we've got the club set up in a very solid footing now and we're in probably a, a, one of the more better positions that we ha- than we have been in in the last few years financially as well um but obviously look that's a huge thanks to Grovemore from the 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 large contribution they made to us about 12 months ago when um you know we were in a very difficult position without a without a tax clearance certificate mm-hmm. without a without a license to participate in the uh in any FAI division whether it be first division or premier division and look we're here now and we're ready for that first home game against Cove Ramblers and we're in a very I won't say a very comfortable position because that's yeah. an unfair thing to say during a pandemic but compared to what we went through 12 months ago and you know even the season before that in 2019 I would have to say we are in a, in a comfortable position in, in comparison you know Is the turnus cross issue still the major stumbling block in the
1: takeover Declan or what's the story?
3: Yeah, look, we're not privy to those conversations really, Rory. They're they're essentially between two third parties um, and we do know that Moore are liaising, but a number of stakeholders and commercial partners uh, around the club, um, you know, they do have the right to do that now uh, over the next the next couple of months and look, it's too late now for this season for them to come in and, and formalize the takeover. But, you know, we're confident that they'll be able to resolve uh, any issues that they, that they envisage um, with, with, with a potential takeover. And they've given us assurances that they'll do everything in their power. And when they have given us assurances in the past, we've, you know, we, we've had no reason to doubt them given them what they've, they've delivered so far. Um, but look for, for this season, we, we have already confirmed that we will be playing in turn's cross. Um, and, you know, great news as well that we we'll love the women's teams taking uh, their games taking place in Tournament's Cross as well, which is you know super exciting for them and something I personally and the rest of the board have wanted to uh, to pull off for for a number of seasons now. And through the hard work of the staff and um, and Anna Buckley in particular, we've been able to get that um, uh, built into our new agreement with the MFA as well. So that's an extremely positive.
1: Yeah, I'm just off the line with Becky Casson, actually, the new Cork City captain. She's buzzing about the fact that their home game is going to be played in Turner's Cross. And not only that, but I suppose the exposure of the Women's National League as a whole this year seems to be on the rise and and the work that Cork City have done in promoting the women's team over the last number of years.
3: Yeah, that's something, and you know, I've been very passionate about as well. Even before I was on the board, I helped out the women's committee with a lot of, you know, their marketing initiatives and just trying to build up the profile a bit. And you know, that has just grown and grown. Aaron Howie there looks after the the media site for them as well, and Megan who helps out. Um, uh, you know, the amount of work that the, that that entire uh, part of the club uh, put in is just phenomenal. And you know, Becky there, like she's a, a perfect example of the. The new era of player that we will be hopefully, you know, uh, bringing into Cork City FC and, and and helping to bring the club on even more. You know, she's a league winner, has vast experience in the league, and you know, she's come, moved to Cork, and you know, it, it just raised the standard. And, um, her and along with the other players that have been, you know, called up to international squads and training squads, it's, it's all moving in, in the right direction. And, you know, Ronan and Paul, who look after the first team, they're Putting excellent structures in place, um, Jess Lawton, as well, has been announced as our under 19s coach as well. So hopefully, that league gets the um, gets the, the the green light as well to go ahead this season. It's you know it's all looking very much positive in the in the women's side of the club as well. It's been growing every year and something we're very uh, passionate about. And it's great to see the the fruits of all the labour that's gone into it as well. Um, and we're extremely proud of of that entire group.
1: Um, season tickets, uh, Declan, uh, there's uh, a number of people have been upset. I suppose they haven't been able to get uh, refunds um, for season tickets.
3: Yeah, it's it's just one of those things. Rory, we're very unique uh, with our club in in that, you know, regardless of what division we're in, we'll probably be the number one um, club in terms of season ticket sales. And it's such a huge part of the club's overall income. And, you know, last year we even sold close to, you know, to uh, Close to a thousand season tickets. Um, mm-hmm. Such was the the marketing drive that went into it before the season started. And you know, unfortunately, then you know, this is not something that just impacted Cork City FC or the league. You know, the world changed dramatically last March, and unfortunately, you know, we had we had to pivot, and you know, supporters uh, gained access only to to two games, and we we you know gave them um, a free streaming pass, and we, we we worked as hard as we could to kind of alleviate the. The, the impact um but look to be honest the response rory from us uh, throughout the last you know nine ten months from supporters about season tickets they have you know proactively contacted us saying that they didn't want refunds they had heard of other clubs um looking into it and look across the league as well it's it's a it's a practice that most clubs and and clubs all across europe are are uh, exploring as well and look we will be announcing um a new uh season season pass package for for next season um in the coming days. It's it's something where we'll be able to give something back as well to last year's season ticket holders and give them a, a discount. And that's the least we can do is now give them something back with this offering and, and we certainly will. Um, obviously we'll we've we've considered a number of elements of risk associated with this season pass. It's it's heavily focused on digital platforms um and you know if if the if the opportunity arises then to bring fans into games those fans of course will be given first priority then to gain access which is something you know city fans all across the city and county have been itching for for the last year so look we'll we've done everything we can with this and um you know as, as you said it would be an extremely difficult situation um to put the club under if we were to um facilitate refunds for all season ticket sales last year it Just you know, I, I'd shudder to think what would happen we'd probably be back in a very similar state than we were last year with, with trying to secure our, our, our licence for uh, the, the League of Ireland Is it a case Declan
1: where you're not expecting any fans in the ground this year and you're, you've budgeted and planned for that?
3: Yeah, exactly, Rory. Yeah, we've, um, you know, it's mainly we've, we've done out our budget and then we obviously have certain scenarios that are not really included in the budget, but, you know, potential bonus situations that could arise. And look, we haven't factored it into our to our income at all to, to, for ticket sales for this season. If it does happen, it really does change the, the overall landscape of our, our budget. Um, even if you had like two or three games towards the end of the season, let's say you know we 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 qualify for a playoff and there's a semi-final at turnus cross and possibly a final or something like that you know that just changes the changes the the landscape considerably but look we've budgeted prudently for the last number of years our goal as a board for the last couple of years has been to make sure that cork city fc is on a on a level on a level footing financially and that the club is is never at risk of becoming another footnote in the history of cork football clubs you know that's that's been our goal over the last couple of years that's that's not what my goal was when i came onto the board but you know circumstances dictated such and it's been a very somewhat unlucky um um couple of years but you know some of the some of the, the the budget constraints that we've had as well have been you know we've been victims of our own success in some regards so look we just have to take stock now of that and Um, you know use this year as well as an opportunity to set us up as a platform for for the next couple of seasons Yeah, and obviously getting
1: back into the Premier Division is an absolute priority but I mean like the First Division is a very hard division to get out of can the club survive a number of years in the First Division?
3: I think we can, yeah, because look, we've budgeted prudently and now we're in a situation where the first team doesn't, you know, prop up the rest of the club like it has been in the last couple of years, where, you know, if the first team doesn't have a successful season, you know, everything around it falls like a domino effect and it impacts things like the women's team and the academies and the club staff and you know we've we've set the club up in such a way now that that the level of risk there is minimal and even if that does happen you know we we'll make sure that you know we keep the structures there in place that you know, let's say if we have a a season where we don't perform well with the men's first team, it doesn't impact the budget that we give Liam Kearney with the academy, or you know, impact the budget with Ronan and the women's section. So that's that's what it's all about. We're a football club here, Rory, and we have you know an amputee team as well that have been impacted by the pandemic, and it's all about keeping all all the teams. I think we're coming up on nine teams now in total with the launch of the women's under 19s and we just can't have the club be dependent on uh, you know the success or, or the, of, the, of the men's first team that's, that's something that we've um, learned uh, over the last number of years it's just not sustainable uh, for a club our size
1: um, Streaming is obviously going to play a big part of the season and I suppose the investment from the FBI to make sure every, every, every first division game
3: is covered has been huge yeah, uh, uh, fantastic to see that. Um, you know, we've been delaying our announcements of this se- season past just as we tried to understand what the landscape of this streaming uh, would look like. But you know, the the, the streaming of the Dundalk and Sharmack Rovers President's Cup game last night was done using the same equipment that we'll be using um, for the first division matches, and I was very impressed by it. You know, you can see the highlights there of uh, of Scale's fantastic goal on on social media, and it was it was very good to see the the, the quality there and. You know, um, word has it as well, we'll have a, a very famous Red FM broadcaster as well as our, our commentator for the, for the season. So, very much looking forward to that, Rory. Not naming any names. Yeah, he's a handsome man,
1: I've heard anyway, but I will wait for the
3: official announcement.
1: Uh, Indeed. And, uh, but yeah, that's a massive boost because the first division is shaping up to be more competitive and more exciting than the Premier Division. Now, we're obviously going to say that because we have Cork City and Cove Ramblers in the first division, but it is going to be massively exciting. And Colin Healy's built a very, very good squad that you would hope, anyway, is capable of pushing for promotion this year.
3: Yeah, exactly. And look, the, the opportunities for promotion in the first division, you know, it goes to the, the, the top five teams. And you know, w- will we be in and around that conversation? I think we absolutely will with the with the signings mm-hmm. that have been made. To be honest, if you've got Colin Healy on the air next week, he'd probably tell you that we were going to win every single game, <laughs> and we were, you know, such is the motivation of that guy and the, and and the passion that he has, um, especially for this season. You know, it's mm-hmm. what he's done to uh, and and the staff now he's put together the structures he's put in place, given a. You know, a limited budget, obviously, that has been impacted since we've gone down the first division and obviously the, the, the pandemic as well. But, you know, we're very excited. I think the, the, the Colin Healy effect, we'll call it, will will have a very uh, positive impact on on the performances this season. And, um, you know, fingers crossed we're, we're in and around that conversation. Um, and, I, and I definitely think we will, you know. Look, it was a very tight division last season. If you look at the points difference, there was, you know, even up to the last one or two games, Teams could have um, flipped back and forth between the playoff positions, and um, you know that's something we would hope we're we're very much part of the conversation of, and and we'll give it our absolute best shot this season for sure. And uh, you know, fingers crossed, we're we're back in the in the Premier sooner rather than later. Because make no mistake about it, we're very cognizant that that's where fans expect us to be, and that's where we should be. We should be in the Premier Division. And look, as you said, Rory, it, it does become a much more exciting first division since we're down there. And there's other uh, big teams there like mm-hmm. Shelburne. And, and look, the, the derbies now against Cove Ramblers will be fantastic, albeit very disappointed at the first one of the season. Um, you won't have any fans in attendance, unfortunately. But look, fingers crossed later in the year um, in some of the other encounters, we'll be able to uh, have some of the Cork population experience that, that game.
1: Yeah, really looking forward to that. March 26th, Cork City versus Cove Ramblers at Turners Cross. Uh, Declan Carey, thanks very much for joining us today. Thanks, Rory. Appreciate it. Yeah, always a pleasure talking to uh, Cork City uh, chairman, Declan Carey. They're really looking forward to the start of the new season. Waiting on the full-time whistle, and it's just gone. Arsenal 2, Tottenham 1. That is a cracking victory uh, for Arsenal. I'm going to get you the full-time report on that one in just a bit. Now, yesterday... Uh, We played the first part of the chat with Phil Healy that Valerie and I did earlier on in the week. This is the second part uh, following her incredible performance at the European Indoors last week, uh, running a PB in the 400. Uh, The banning bullet herself talking to Valerie and me. uh, And this time uh, we're looking ahead to the Olympics. Have you allowed yourself to to think ahead and imagine what it's going to be like on the starting line of of an Olympic Games when you become an Olympian?
0: no i certainly haven't got that far ahead yet because of all obviously the all the unknown whether it will go ahead or will not go ahead but as an athlete you're fully focused that it will go ahead but i have so much work to do between now and then in making sure that i'm in tip-top shape for it and like it's months down the line so i just need to focus on the day-to-day building that to week to week and month to month and building that consistency up and Olympics is the main goal and obviously I will have the qualification um, competitions in between that will uh, need to take the the priority of the focus.
4: I mean, it's a quick turnaround, Phil, when you think of it. I know I seen online earlier on, are you one of the athletes that needs to self-isolate? Someone has come back with a COVID positive test?
0: Yeah, so that was unfortunate that there was um, a positive test and luckily at the moment I wasn't part of that travelling group, so I just have to sit and wait. Obviously, and take my uh, precautions and get my COVID test on day five as well. So um, it is unfortunate, but look, this is what happens. This is what happens when traveling abroad and uh, athletes will be uh, taking all precautions that they, they can take and following the guidelines.
1: So what's next now for what's the next event for you?
0: So it's going to be a short turnaround. Um, so we'll go back into training now and you kick off next week properly. So this was a bit of a down week. and. Possibly we have world relays in the start of May if Ireland are selected and then it will be just competing individually from about the end of May on because qualification for Olympics ends at the end of June. So for now, um, it's about training and focusing on that and uh, taking it on into the summer months then for uh, competing.
4: What did you take away and maybe learn from the European final, Phil?
0: like I've messed up in many or like major championships and say two years ago, I went in ranked fifth at the European Indoor Championships, messed up my heat. So I think championship racing is different to producing a one-off race. Um, and I can, like, what I can take is that I can be in there, in the mix with these uh, world-class girls now. Like it was the quickest uh, European final in a long, long time. And my time would have medaled at the last five European championships, which, which is the last 10 years because it's held every two years so um, that is a great sign and going forward it gives me a massive boost in confidence knowing that I can be in with those girls and I've arrived at that level and ready to take it on
1: what's, the, what's been there? Yeah, sorry what's the reaction been like since you've come home and imagine everyone's kind of congratulating you and texting you and all that kind of crack from the weekend
0: absolutely and like my phone has been hopping since <laughs> and like It's a bit mad and it's a bit surreal. And I was even saying to Shane, my coach, today, like, it doesn't feel real that I actually came forth. And I know people will be disappointed that they came forth, But, like, I produced the best possible uh, race within a 36-hour period of producing three races back-to-back. So um, it has been crazy. But people have taken so much from it. And it certainly has given so many people a lift. And whether it's older people or younger kids. like um, It's great to see the transfer of the performance um, and I'm hopefully
4: can take it on and give more people uh, things to shout about for the, for the summer months. I often wonder, are you doing these times in training or do you wait for the big days, Phil, to show <laughs> up? I'm often wondering, do these PsB happen behind closed doors? You're like, no, nah, I'm waiting for the big day. So we certainly have seen the signs in training and it was just about sitting and waiting because we decided
0: not to race um, earlier on in January, February, just because we didn't want to take the risk of traveling abroad. Um, I had the standard for European Indoors from last year, so I didn't have the pressure that way that I needed to chase a time, but I needed a time for seeding when it comes to what heat you're drawn in over at the championships. But I, had this, I did have the signs in training and I knew a good performance was there, but for me, I... Doing it in training is one thing. I want the evidence of doing it in a race for me to fully believe it. So um, we did have the signs that I did have a boost going in, but uh, for me, it all lies on the the championship. And I was lucky to race in the meet that was held in Dublin about two weeks before European Indoors and produced a PB there. So we knew everything was going in the right direction. But when it comes to championship racing, it's three rounds. It's a short period of time. It's a different story. So... uh, I'm just delighted to know that I could do it and produce
1: it on the day. It looks like the Olympics, filler are not going to allow any overseas visitors or overseas fans this year. Is it a disappointment that nobody from home will be able to, to watch you compete in Tokyo this year?
0: Look, it is, but it will be a lot worse if the games were cancelled outright. Like, any athlete will take the games going ahead um, over fans being allowed because as athletes, we're focused on the performance. Obviously, it's going to be a different Olympic Games in terms of, like, being ho- flown home straight after your event or that general buzz isn't there or there, is, there isn't the normal opening ceremony and closing ceremonies and different things like that. But it's an Olympic Games. You get the opportunity to compete and any athlete
4: will um, make the sacrifices of fans um, in order to compete at the Olympic Games. You did mention earlier on and Artie. I was listening on the radio on the way home. I know Rory was watching on the television. I was nearly <laughs> racing down the road. I was like, well, come on, Phil. I was roaring at the radio. But I think there'll be plenty of new eyes with the coverage of the Olympics this year when it goes ahead for athletics. A hundred
0: percent. And like, we are a minority sport. So usually it's rugby, soccer, GA that take the headlines on television. And like, we'd be lucky to get... Um, coverage maybe once a year for a national championship so to have a weekend long of European athletics coverage um, with great commentary from Dervil and David and Rob in studio like it gave the sport a massive boost and it gave us a lot more fans and to see Like It's an individual sport. It takes so much sacrifice to get to the highest level and people underestimate the level that it does take. Um, So it was super to get that coverage and to get people on board to see what it does take to perform at that level and hopefully they'll continue with that support right through the summer.
4: Well, Phil, it was absolutely brilliant chatting you. Thank you so much for taking time out. I know it's your down week and we're interrupting it rudely, but we can't wait to see what you do next and we're really looking forward to it. So congratulations again from the both of us and we'll chat to you again soon. Super, thanks a million
1: for having me on. Yeah, always a pleasure chatting to Phil Healy, an incredible run last week at the European Indoors and all systems going now for the Olympic Games. Still to come on the show, talking MMA with Darren O'Gorman. Up next, we're talking the Rebels Bounty with Cork Piero, Joseph Blake. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM. A good win for Arsenal over Tottenham today, coming from behind. Nigel Bidmead watching.
5: Arsenal 2, Tottenham 1, an eventful and entertaining North London derby which Arsenal deserved to win. Eric Lamella was both hero and villain for Spurs. He put Tottenham ahead with a delightful Rabona but then picked up two yellow cards in six second half minutes and was sent off. Martin Odegaard equalised for Arsenal just before half-time and on 63, Alexander Lacazette was fouled in the area and the Frenchman scored from the spot. Spurs very nearly snatched a point right at the end when Harry Kane's free kick hit the post Arsenal 2 Tottenham 1 Now we're
1: going to talk GA now and the Rebels bounty draw has been a big success with over 1 million euro raised by clubs so far but the closing date for the purchase of tickets is drawing near for more on it I caught up with Cork Piero Joseph Blake Alright the Rebels bounty has been a tremendous success to talk to us more about it is the Cork Piero Joseph Blake Joey how are you sir?
6: Hi, how's it going?
1: Thanks a million for coming on. I read in the Examiner that like there's been a combined profit in excess of a million euro from the Rebels' bounty. That means this has been a, a tremendous success.
6: Yeah, it's been a tremendous success. And that's actually over a million euros just gone back to the club. So, the clubs of Cork. So obviously on top of that, you would have your... There would be money going back to the, the Cork County Board and there would also be money going um, for the prizes too as well. There's half a million in cash prizes uh, this year, but it's been an absolutely tremendous success and there's um, still another week and a half to go Thursday, March 25th, 5 o'clock is the cut-off um, deadline, so it's it's all systems go between here and then.
1: Obviously the reason this is a success, Joey, is because the clubs have bought into this.
6: Yeah, and look, I suppose there was a bit of nervous clubs were nervous and I think a lot of people were nervous at the start when this was kind of flagged. I think it was back in September there was a, a webinar held and, and it was all explained about how, you know, um, clubs were going to be given targets. And um, but you know what? I think clubs really, I think the targets kind of focused their minds and uh, that they, and they looked at this as a great fundraising opportunity. And that uh, there wasn't anything else. There was very little fundraising that they could do at the moment because obviously the the big fundraisers like your Strictly Come Dancing or your Lip Sync, all that has gone in the last 12 months. And also a lot of, we'll say, for example, the the club lottos that would be done in your local pub and stuff like that, that's all gone too as well. So this was a a great opportunity where clubs could take part and really drive it, and especially from a non nine point of view we have seen online sales rocket in the last couple of months where people are just sitting at home they could be anywhere in Cork anywhere in Ireland anywhere in the world and they're able to log on to the Cork J website go out to Bounty, and they're able to buy a ticket for their club and it has been an absolutely tremendous success I think it's surpassed anybody's imagination and I think it this has just the opportunity to grow and get bigger Next year, when hopefully the restrictions are lifted and people will actually, you'll be able to go door to door selling tickets or you'll be able to meet people in, in at matches and stuff like that and sell tickets. It's kind of restrictive at the moment because obviously people can't meet and, um, and a lot of sales are being done online. But I mean, it, it's just been a, a tremendous success.
1: Um, at convention last December, the carbury chairman Tom Lyons said he was genuinely worried about the draw. Was like that? Was was that just a minority view, and was it just a case of like it was something new and it was something different? And I suppose that that's what people were worried about.
6: Yeah, it's like it's like anything else when when things are new when they're, they're kind of. They were saying targets, and like Jesus said, everyone had concerns. I had concerns, and a lot of people had concerns as well. So, the, um, but I think what the what it did was it, it focused the minds because where clubs before would in the old county boards look if they sold fifty tickets, if they sold sixty tickets, it didn't put them up or down. But here they were kind of told, though, well, if you're an intermediate club, you're expected to sell at least seventy. And that kind of just, it kind of maybe over the Christmas period, it focused the minds. And we've seen clubs that have, were maybe selling 30 or 40 tickets in the last couple of years. They've gone out 140 150. There's other, another club I know that's selling 30 or 40 tickets. They've got over 200 tickets now. Mm-hmm. But we've also seen the bigger clubs in the city that are selling three, four, five hundred 4 500 tickets and that's amazing. That's well done to them. And they'll, they'll, they'll make 30 or 40 grand profit out of this. But even the small clubs that might be making two or three grand in previous years, they might now make five or six grand out of this. And that's a big jump for them as well. Because it means that, that five or six grand might cover their um, insurance, their player interest scheme affiliations, their affiliations to the county board. So hopefully, look, nearly every club has surpassed their target. So that means nearly every club is, is making money out of this and there's still another 10 days to go. So I think great credit must be given to the... Um, to the there was a support committee set up of about six or seven people uh, made up of county board officers and Conor Cunahan. And they, they, well, what they did was, and what made it such a success, was they addressed the concerns. They met, mm-hmm. the, they met the clubs over Zoom. And they discussed this and they said, look, this is, they gave them ideas as to how to make it make it a success within their own clubs and show, look, your neighbor down the road is doing this and they're making a great success. But so maybe if you follow their model, um, <laughs> it might work well for you too as well. It was amazing how fellas, and they might be on a Zoom call, and they might be kind of saying things aren't going great. Next thing you tell them that, the club down the road were after setting X amount. <laughs> they quickly <laughs> they the Zoom call in quickly so they could go out setting straight away. Like, but no, no, but it's got look obviously it came out in the last county board meeting, the county chairperson Mark Sheen, confirmed that over a million had been raised for the clubs. I think it was about six hundred and seventy thousand mm. was raised for the clubs last year. So look I, and, and I think it's really helped reconnect the county board. And, and the clubs, which I think is a big thing, especially over these difficult times. So look, um, look, hopefully in the next 10 days or so, there'll be an even bigger push and a bigger, um, more tickets sold. And look, at the end of the day, obviously, as a county board officer, I hope the Cork J do benefit well out of this. Mm-hmm. But, but, I was, but the, the big winners are going to be the clubs.
1: Yeah, and obviously, <coughs> excuse me, as you say, some time as well for people to get involved and help their clothes. What are the prizes on offer? I Man, there's some huge prizes.
6: Yeah, there's uh, some some great prizes. There are cash prizes. There's a total prize fund of um, of um, half a million euros. Hmm. But what what um, so there's thirty prizes every month, and usually the top prize is either twenty five thousand, thirty thousand, or twenty thousand. And it, and it works its way down there's 30 prizes every month but the big one is the hundred thousand first prize on um, at Christmas time in December so I think that might solve a, a few problems for people who are <laughs> going, buying Christmas presents so like first prize next December hundred thousand um, cash when they say cash I'm sure they'll probably write a check or transfer it <laughs> to a bank account I don't know when when will the county treasurer be going down with a suitcase yeah. to uh, somebody's house. But um, no, there's um, the total prize fund half a million euros and um, the the prizes, 30 prizes each month and the first prizes are either 30,000, 25,000 or um, 20,000 varying on the months and working its way down. So look, there's a lot of prizes to be won, but I think the the 100,000 euro first prize in December is, the, is a nice one to win
1: wouldn't be a bad Christmas present at all so if anyone wants to get a ticket Joy, they just get in touch with their, their club officers isn't
6: not yeah get in contact with the, the local club but you can also do it from the, the from your own the, the, from sitting down at home and log on to the cartier website and you can there's a link there to go to Rebels Bounty and you can sign up online
1: um just away from the Rebels want to join me like this time of the year obviously you have the leagues going on and it, it's a busy time of year as we all start looking into the summer looking into the championship how weird has it been I suppose uh, for you not having any games to to organise and plan and has there been frustration I suppose voiced to you by the clubs that like we want to get back out and play
6: well yeah kind of like I like obviously we have to take our guidance from the government and we have to take guidance from Royal Park too as well and I think um it was actually this weekend last year when the, the, I think it was March 13th when everything, when the then teacher Cleo gave the speech. Um, I think it was a Thursday or I think he was over in Washington actually when he gave the speech. And so we're effectively kind of uh, um, on lockdown. I don't want to say lockdown for 12 months, but obviously there was a break during the summer. But it's been really difficult to know. I think it's like, I suppose from a personal point of view, I've probably found this lockdown the hardest because yeah. um, we'll say last springtime you it was kind of a novelty for everybody and you know, a bit of a break, the weather was good, and then we went everyone kinda of went back kind of to somewhere normal during the summer and then uh, there was plenty of club games and the whole club championship last year was a great success. And then I suppose another lockdown kind of came along then in November, October, November, the start of December, and I was kind of very fortunate that I was able to go to the county the county games, the court games. So that kind of been that kind of got me through that. Um, but I found this lockdown uh, very hard because there's the weather's poor, it's winter, and there's there's no games to go to. But I can understand some frustrations that there's. We can't plan. Like I remember speaking to the county vice chairperson, Pat Horgan, over Christmas, and we kind of came up with a plan where we felt that maybe the inter-county might go back in February, maybe start the league, start to March, and we had hoped to start our league games. You know, the clubs might be back training start to March and that we would have been starting our club league games in, in, um, in the start of April, and we'd actually come up with a plan for that. And maybe start a championship in the middle of July or towards the end of July. But that's all I got out the window now. So I can understand the frustration by the clubs and the divisions that they're none the wiser than we are. And um, but I suppose the people I feel the most sorry for the the kids, you know, because they are not able to get out and play and meet up with their friends. I know some of them are gone back to school. But um, I look there, at my nieces and nephews and they're mad to go back playing even even if it's just training in small pods and look, you know, um, that, that's the people that I would love to see back on the back on the pitches first to the kids, even if it's just in small pods, playing hurling and football and camogie and ladies football and whatever, that it just gets them to go out of the house and develop their social skills because there's kids there now that might be in senior infants in, um, we'd say, for example, in school and they have their junior infants when they were five they were affected with this with the whole with the whole um, the lockdown towards in the last year so they missed out on maybe their first year playing games and it, and if they don't go back playing soon that they'd be concerned that they might not want to start it or they might miss out in another year so hopefully we would all be mad to go back playing soon but from my I'd be hoping that the kids would go back soon um, quicker maybe than than later.
1: Is that a worry across the board, Joy, that kids who haven't been playing for the last years just simply not going to decide to go back and play with their clubs?
6: Yeah, I, I, I'd be concerned about it because cause you know ourselves, kids get into a routine and there's, especially over the winter, there, there hasn't been much to do and the, a lot of kids might go off and they, they, like during the summer, spring and summer, they might be obviously outdoors but what you see with a lot of GA clubs in the winter is that they're doing we we'll say indoor stuff, beats and halls, or maybe out in astro turfs or whatever, and that they they haven't had that, they haven't had that routine, and, and it's um it's, it it would be a concern that there's no kids that are maybe especially five or six or seven who haven't had much Gaelic games or any Gaelic games. They might just want to, how would you say? Get involved at that age. That's that's when you need to. That's when you need to get kids involved at the ages of five and six. And some of the kids mightn't have that had had that opportunity so far, like because obviously last year there was a lot of cool camps that were affected too as well. So look, that's a concern for everybody. But look, at, at the moment it's also our hands. We can only do what the government saying. Crow Park, listen to what the government says. So I mean, we're guided by Crow Park. So. I would hope. Look, I see a couple of articles actually in this week's um, the paper. This week's um, that they are saying that there seems to be kind of a shift now to get the, to try and get the kids back on the pitches, especially when they're going to schools. Yeah, back to school. That I think all the national schools, all the kids in the national schools are back this week. So it means that they are indoors. So I mean, it surely should be. as... Say for them to be outdoors in maybe pods of five or ten or whatever the recommendation is, um, just to get them out and get them kind of interacting with each other again. And, you know, I, I, I suppose look, some people, some people on here have kids who might be listening to show up kids, like nieces and nephews, and they're just telling me they just want to get back clean
1: yeah I think that's going to be key, and hopefully it can happen. as mentioned schools are open, so fingers crossed and back playing sport uh, very very quickly indeed um just a quick enjoy um a congress it was there was a 16 team limit established um and that obviously kind of posed a couple of questions for the the Cork premier senior championships, but you're confident enough that that it falls under a remit and everything will be okay.
6: Yeah, um we would have discussed it beforehand. Um we had a special county board meeting the Tuesday night beforehand and we voted we, we spoke and discussed all the motions and actually our county chairperson, um Mark Sheehan, he would have been our delegate on the day of Congress and he he spoke about the matter and he um got it addressed on the um about the whole divisions and colleges and the way that we would look at it is that we have in our county premier championships, we have 12 teams. But running parallel to that, we would have our division and colleges. So, in a way, they're probably team number 13 because they come into the, the county championship, um, the winners of the colleges, the rhythm section, they come in at, at uh, quarter final level. And I know there's two counties that are, are querying it, saying that if Cork get an exemption, then they should get They should get an exemption. But I think the difference between us is that we they, they actually have clubs while we have colleges and divisions and we're running parallel. So we'd say, for example, at the start of the competition, um, there's the draw done for the colleges and the regions and then there's the, the draw done for the groups of uh, the clubs. So look, our county chairperson, Mark Sheehan, addressed it. And um, I think he was told we might have to apply for a deviation, but um, I don't see any problem in in that, seeing it was brought up at uh, at Congress. Uh,
1: And just very quickly, Joy, were you surprised to see Ron McCarthy's ban upheld this week? And what's the avenues uh, open to him after that?
6: Well, to be honest, um, I can't really comment at the moment because the process is ongoing. So look, um, there was... I think a verbal. I think the way it works is that they get verbal um, communication on on these kind of things, and then there's a, a written communication sent um, to the county board and probably to Ron and to as well. So look, that would be reviewed and look, um, as the process is ongoing, I can't really comment on okay, it.
1: That's fair enough. Alright, we'll leave there, Joy. Thanks very much indeed for talking to us. For more information on the Rebels Bounty, visit gacourt.ee forward slash bounty. But until the next time, Joey, thanks very much for talking to us.
6: All right, thanks, Merlin.
1: Yeah, always a pleasure talking to Joseph Blake Cork Piero on the big red bench and uh, the Rebels' uh, bounty—a massive, massive success for all the clubs uh, so far, anyway. And uh, still a couple of days left for you to to get your tickets to enter into the draw. Uh, we're almost out of time. Going to talk MMA and our good friend Darren O'Gorman returning to action next week in Cage Warriors. The courtman facing Francis Nicolas Leblond in a bantamweight clash as he looks back to, to get back to winning ways after suffering defeat in his last two ball. So I spoke to Darren earlier on today. All right, uh, joined now on the line by our good friend Darren Gorman ahead of his uh, cage wires boat next week. Darren, how are you, buddy?
5: Good, thanks for having yourself.
1: Good, cool, man, thanks a million for coming on. Um, before we get to your fight, I mean, like, what's it been like training and preparing for a fight during a pandemic? Um, it's
5: been different, to be honest. Uh, definitely um, a lot less kind of classes going on around the place. Um, you know, a lot, like, less jujitsu based less kind of just Muay Thai based classes going on um, still getting the bulk of the work in um, but it's definitely it's been altered and less bodies but um, different yeah less people on the gym less footballs I'd imagine as well is there yeah I mean the gyms aren't aren't open essentially like you can get to there for uh, we get to certain places for sessions and um, jumping around a couple of different gyms getting uh, getting sessions in with, with just people like maybe like a handful of people in, in the gym so hardly ideal preparation I
1: guess but I suppose everyone's in the same boat then I guess
5: everyone's on the same boat um, and yeah it's it's not ideal but it's not the end of the world I mean so still getting in still getting two sessions in most days like three Sundays um, be one with a martial art based and then like be doing like running or strength and conditioning um, but definitely getting in one MMA one sparring a day and um, then one as I said something else you know yeah just
1: a lot of conditioning work by yourself I'd imagine isn't it
5: uh, yeah, kind of like definitely more more solo uh, work than, than before, but um, it's not the end of the world, you know, so we get we get in like on a Monday, I uh, start off the week where uh, we got a uh, big glove sparring and then Monday evening we do some MMA sparring, so I get a good bulk of, uh, of bodies um, on a Monday and then Tuesday is, is drilling and like MMA based work and then I do strength conditioning in the evening time. Um, Wednesday again will be MMA in the morning and pad work in the afternoon. Might go for a run in the evening, and then Thursday is the same as Tuesday again, and Friday is sparring and pads. So I'm definitely getting getting enough stuff in like that. I'm I'm content with it, but it's um, if you compare it to before, like then you know it's, it's not going to be the same.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we're six days out now from uh, Nicholas at Cage Warriors at uh, 122. What uh, what can you tell us about him?
5: Um. He seems like a bit of a pressure fighter. I mean, there's not a whole lot out there on him. Um, from what I've, I've seen, his last fight, he fought uh, Sam Creasy, another fellow on, I think, Cage Warrior's last September.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, and then before that, it was just one clip on him um, from, like, a UC MMA fight about four years ago. Very similar in, in both videos, though, to be honest. He's just um, a little bit faster, more improved in the more recent one. He seems to look like a pressure fighter. and um, they, they keep referring to him as a judo guy and, and commentators but um, from what I've seen he's a lot of singles and doubles with wrestling and um, I'd imagine him to be trying to pressure me to the fence um, yeah after that then it's my own game
1: yeah exactly and once you get him onto the ground then that's that's your world basically
5: yeah I'm happy <laughs> to keep this one on the feet and um, keeping along with him but as I said with the with the style I see him kind of trying to play I reckon he'll be, be trying to force me to the fence um, which Let's see where it ends up. Um, have you focused endings
1: specifically for this fight now to try and sharpen your toolbox from, from previous fights or?
5: Just mainly dealing with soapballs. He's a soapball fighter. Um, other than that it's been it's been again I like to see what they're about and then it's just learning, you know, improving my own my own attacks from there, and improving my own game. Um, but yeah, dealing with soapball just kinda of slightly different, you know, you're bearing off to the, to the left a little bit more mm. um, as opposed to the other opposite direction um, and yeah other than that yeah just been my own game plan
1: It's been a year since your last fight uh, when you lost uh, to Conor Hignett back uh, in March of 2020 uh, a fight you were winning comfortably right up until the point he clipped you I mean like have you watched that back uh, or, or, or well, i
5: watched it back a couple of times um, not any time recently but yeah a couple of times afterwards Um it was yeah, it was frustrating one. You know, as I said, it was was wiping the floor with the guy. He, to be fair, he come in we kind of, his overhand right was the one we had uh, we had feared, like um, giving him the chance to, to take the fight. And credit to him, he took it by he took it and he caught he caught that shot. But um, frustrating one to look back on, right? Definitely, you know, um, I was it was wiping the floor with him. But it also shows that I don't, I feel like I'm I'm able to, to hold my own with with anyone that's that's in that division, you know. And um, up until that one shot I think as I said it was it was 10-8 rounds I mean, as far as I can remember like, so
1: yeah I remember watching that fight live and just remember I thought just, oh, Darren's going to win here and I was great. Like, just great like just that one overhand right just that one kind of lapse oh, in right. concentration and
5: they're they're a different uh, it's a different ping off them you know so you get a can't take your eye off the ball for a second inside their things like that will happen
1: <laughs> exactly yeah.
5: exactly yeah. Um, is there there's, there's hardly going to be spectators at your fight next week is there nah not this time <clears throat> I think the lockdown um, put a spanner in the works for that there was the intention was there I think that they announced it last December and it was to go ahead for for crowds to start um, applying to get like I think 50% or something but um, then yeah that the next lockdown wave came and I think that just put that out of the park
1: yeah it's probably going to be weird I suppose fighting in front of essentially nobody is it
5: um, it's not too bad the thought of it is worse than it is I think um, if you're in there kind of, if, you're, if you're focusing on, on that you know, as I said you've kind of got bigger bigger task at hand um, when the bell goes so it's, it's not too bad um,
1: it's a good card overall uh, next Saturday night. you've got Paddy Pimblet on there you've got a good title fight as well so it's uh, a pretty stacked card next week
5: I've actually have to look at the, the full card on the night I haven't, um, I haven't seen the, the layout of the three nights it's um, Paddy on, the, on Saturday as well Paddy on Saturday
1: yeah taking on David uh, Martinez that'd be a good
5: scrap
1: yeah it should be an absolutely yeah, uh, great bad,
5: it's fair sure happening over the, over the three nights but,
1: um, yeah, it's well it's, yeah, it. yeah should be a, a cracking a couple of nights ahead um, Darren just um, briefly as well um, referee Neil Hall passed away this week which is a massive shock to the MMA community in the UK and Ireland
5: Hmm. it's a shocker right? it's a sad to see him go I remember he was he was over in Cork at one of our very like probably first or second one of the battle um, zone ones I think wasn't it yeah it was yeah I think I remember seeing him go. Cork I think it was my second fight I think it was um, and yeah I've seen him I have seen him since then it's a terrible though to have somebody go you know especially so young
1: yeah exactly uh, I remember chatting to him a very very nice guy uh, at that battle zone card as well uh, very finally Darren uh, prediction for Saturday night I think I will
5: knock him out with a head kick
1: <laughs> I'm looking forward to that buddy
5: yeah, Darren thanks very
1: much for talking to us not going to wish you luck for Saturday because you don't need a kid Thank you very much. Not sure on confidences, Darren O'Gorman. Anyway, best luck to him next week uh, against uh, Nicholas LeBlanc uh, in Cage Warriors. That's it from us. Thanks very much for tuning away, our podcast online very, very shortly. Indeed, redfm.ie and from wherever you get your podcasts. Conor Halbun's up next with Green and Red. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday night and happy Mother's Day to all the mammies out there. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM.